Iowa everywhere. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brenz talk all things Big 12. This is Firmly Entrenched. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. Welcome to Firmly Entrenched. I'm Jake Brenz with Local 5 Sports out of Des Moines and... Joined by Nick Oson of 24-7 Sports for his last week with Cyclone Alert before moving up to Wisconsin. What's the what's the site called at 247 for Wisconsin? Yeah, so Badger 247, you know, easy, pretty, easy, pretty easy enough with the team I'll be covering. And, you know, just to be clear uh, for everybody, yeah, kind of have already started the transition a little bit, you know, in terms of kind of on the back end and my actual site, I think that I kind of did my last story uh, regarding ISU a little bit earlier this week. Next couple of days are kind of physically moving up there, and, and that'll be that'll be it for a while, Jake. Well, we're going to miss you. It's, it's sad. Dang. No, honestly, you know, among friends here and, and obviously people, people tuning in, I have no problem, no qualms saying that, you know, Saturday was a tough day. Uh, the the Seahawk game and obviously kind of that being my last game covering, you know, at the end of the night, it was it was emotional. You know, no problem saying that. I've loved it here. Uh, the fans have simply been the best I've ever seen, ever been around. You know, players, staffs have been awesome. It, it's a really cool place. I'm fortunate that I already know uh, it's not going to be kind of my last time passing through or keeping in touch with people, things like that. But it's been awesome and yeah you know definitely bittersweet and there were some sad days over the weekend my friend well you'll still be around and you'll still be joining us on firmly entrenched this football season remotely from madison brought to us by heartland flags channel seeds and circus sports studio we're in the channel seed studios and i'll just give a brief rundown on what we're talking about today we'll give our cyhawk reactions look ahead to the Ohio Bobcats. We're going to touch on Texas maybe being back. Might be too early to tell. No, I, th- I think I think they're back. Yeah. And then uh, we're actually going to talk a little Coach Prime. I can't wait for that one. And, of course, one of the top, our big know, like, 12 yeah, picks. Topics in the game, regardless of sport right now, I would say. I'm excited to get into that. Hear kind of your thoughts on a little bit of a mini debate conversation we're going to have. Yes, yeah, so... Let's get into the Cyhawk game first, though. I'd like to thank our title sponsor of Firmly Entrenched Heartland Flags. You can get really any flag you need. Maybe a W flag for us Cubs fans. It's a it's a Cubs podcast here between Nick Aiden and I. They've got free shipping anywhere in the U.S. So Nick's going up to Madison. I don't know. Maybe maybe need a Cubs Cubs flag. Maybe a Maybe a Packers flag to go, or a Bears flag to go. Say, sorry, a Bears flag to go fly up in Packers country. They've got every team, every sport, and every flag. Now is your perfect time to get your tailgating flags, gear for game days, and everybody is undefeated when you fly a Heartland flag. Even the one and one Iowa State Cyclones that suffered defeat at the hands of the Iowa Hawkeyes. And for me, I'll give my two three minute thoughts on the game it was another year where matt campbell tried to out ference kirk ference and it 
didn't work. I, I don't know how many times this game has to be played, but it, it just, it's not the way to beat Iowa. Because when you're doing that, you are narrowing that margin of victory by so much. It becomes so much slimmer. And at the end of the day, it just comes down to a few mistakes. It comes down, to my opinion, two plays. It was blocked field goal, just absolutely took all of the air out of the building on that first drive. And then it's the Rocco back to pick six, who I thought Rocco played fine most of the day, but but that one that one bad decision, that one bad throw ultimately ends up being the deciding factor. And Iowa is the I think by far the best defense Iowa State will play all season. By far. So I would I would be a little surprised if the Iowa State offense looked that bad again this season. And my expectations of Iowa State really don't change that much because I don't think the line looked that bad. It was just Ferentz has played this game so many times. He could tell early Iowa State's not going to be aggressive. Let's just stack the box and not let them run the ball. And then Iowa State wasn't able to run the ball. You know, Iowa D-backs are able to to sit back on routes. They jump one route, pretty much game over. I, I think that's kind of my thoughts. Nick, Nick, what did you take away from the game? Yeah, no, definitely, Jake. I would, I'd agree with a lot of what you said. I understand the sentiment. You know, I think a lot of people have referred to, certainly on, on my boards or my old message boards about like, you know, you can't out Ference Ference. Here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna push back just a little bit, not full disagree or anything, but you know, I felt like I do think they pushed things a little bit more in terms of maybe it was too late trying to get like the wideouts involved, spe- specifically some of those new weapons that they have. I think that they were trying to play maybe a little bit conservatively, like you know, like Iowa does. I think partially it is because such a young quarterback that is a really tough defense. So I just don't necessarily want to group this year's kind of game planning and thoughts into what we've seen before, but I totally understand the point. And what you said about Rocco, Jake, outside of one or two throws, I I actually felt like he played a pretty good game. I think he had 44 pass attempts, which is you're getting into kind of some of those numbers for like Hunter Deckers last year. It was just a strictly passing game you don't want to have to do that I mean most teams don't really want to at the college level uh certainly not kind of with a new younger quarterback I felt like I was impressed with the way he kind of came back from that you know pretty kind of costly mistake uh with the pick six I think that he really mentally kind of helped lead the team back I think he definitely made some plays that was a gorgeous pitch and catch on the touchdown to uh Jaden late obviously to kind of bring the team a little bit closer You talked about expectations, Jake. Mine definitely don't change. I've said pretty consistently, I think on this show and certainly, you know, on the radio and in other spots that I felt like Iowa State had to win two of three games to make a bowl. Iowa, that was a coin flip game to me. Oklahoma State at home coming up and then the BYU game. Now, though, of course, you'd like to beat Iowa, I think, for several reasons. Those other games are still in reach. And I think the defense, Jake, I don't know about you, but I felt... Like the defense played another really, really standout game for the Cyclones. Yeah, I thought the defense was good. In it, I think CW said this on on two guys named Chris on Monday. I I bet Haycock wishes he had that first quarterback 
I think they completely approached that first quarter wrong. They Haycock always does kind of the the boxers just first round. Let's let's feel each other out, and then we'll ramp up the aggressiveness. And in ninety nine percent of games, that's worked. But with this makeup of the Iowa State defense and the makeup of the Iowa offense, I think they should have been aggressive from the start, and they weren't. And Iowa got those 10 first quarter points. So I would agree it was a good defensive performance, but it wasn't, in my opinion, up to the standard that has been set from Iowa uh, or or set from Iowa State because they easily could have gotten to McNamara more. They, They only sacked him once and they didn't really put too much pressure on him in that first quarter. I think they should have dialed up the blitzes, rely on that secondary and it, it could have been a different game, but I will say, I, I think that's an interesting point. I think that it did work a little bit more later. I, I'm definitely going to usually kind of trust uh, his judgment and, and yeah. that staff, but that makes sense. You know, I think that, hey, maybe that does change things a little bit. I'm just looking at it a little bit from the scope of you could really say the Iowa State defense allowed 13 points because obviously the pick six happened against the offense. I think in most games, no matter who you're playing, that should be basically a strong enough uh, performance and way to win for the offense to kind of take care of business. I think that they showed a lot of good things, specifically late. I think there's some things to build on. And I couldn't talk about this game or this team, Jake, without saying I think it was a major kind of smart aspect to get some of these newer, younger weapons involved, including transfers. And I still think you need to get Abu Sama some more touches. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the run game was super reliable or, or kind of like confident in this last game. But I, I think that Norton got a lot more touches and carries. I still think Abu Sama with just kind of his vision and the ability to make electrifying plays. I think you've got to add on to those a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if we see some more of that this week. Yeah, it just comes down to at the end of the day, running the ball and drops were what was setting Iowa state at these third and 10 second and 12. And that's a really, that's a really hard spot to be in any football game. It doesn't matter if you're playing you and I, Ohio, Iowa, you never want to be at third and eight, but when you're playing Iowa, it is especially hard because their defense is so sound. You make one mistake against that defense they're housing a pick six. They're getting a sack. They're getting a tackle for loss. So it, it wasn't to the fault of the running backs really on on Saturday at all. It was just the sheer fact that Iowa State was getting behind the chains and you can't run the ball at that point against Iowa. That might be able to get four yards. You're not getting you're not running for twelve yards on third and twelve against the Hawkeyes. And that's going to be a big key when you when you talk Ohio on this upcoming Saturday. The Ohio defense has been pretty good so far. They're off to a two and one start. Much improved for sure. They went into Florida Atlantic, beat them seventeen to ten. They were underdogs in that game. Rourke is back and healthy, which I don't know if you were watching that home or the the season opener against San Diego State. I was. I thought he was done for the year. Their backup quarterback was terrible. Yeah, he struggled. <laughs> so when when Rourke comes back, one, that's a surprise to me, and, and two, that makes this game a lot tougher 
on paper than it would have been without him. And the line, I believe it opened at one and a half. Somewhere, depending on the... two, yeah. Yeah, depending on where you look, it was between one and a half and two and a half. It's up to three now. That's just a... That's a scary, scary line. All of a sudden, after after I saw the line, it made me feel like, am I missing something? Mm-hmm. But it it comes down to, I would guess, the, the odds makers, the books, don't trust the Iowa State offense, and I don't blame them. They have no reason so far to trust the Iowa State offense. Well, and it kind of goes to me, when you look back at the UNI game even, Iowa State hasn't gotten a ton of kind of full-blown respect on the line. I think that it was a decently set line for the Iowa game, but it wasn't this wasn't crazy shocking to me, Jake. That being said, I think it should be much higher. I, I think that really looking at this game a little bit more, mostly just for the show, I think Iowa State has the chance to win quite comfortably. You know, I've been digging into things a little bit. Ohio's defense is improved. But it's not Iowa's. Now, I I think it hurts that Iowa State a little bit is playing on the road. Obviously, that's going to help the Bobcats with the line. But still, I don't expect that defense to be as multiple or physical or just kind of maybe imposing at times that Iowa can be. Like, you know they make you pay for just about every mistake. As we just kind of touched on, I think that Iowa State's offense found some things late in that Iowa game. I think this defense is just on the cusp of being very elite like they were last year i think they're really good so far like you said jake they weren't perfect in that iowa game i think the defense is going to have a strong game i've been really really impressed with a couple guys dom orange i know we've talked about and tyler on it just felt like at times he was so close to really kind of getting to mcnamara or breaking that game open defensively yeah when we talk about the defense i i have no concerns of them going on the road the the old saying Defense travels, defense wins championships. I would guess they hold Ohio to between 10 and 14 points. At at worst, I can't see them letting up more than 20, 21. So just like Brent Bloom was just saying while I was driving here listening to this show, by the way, we are live. If you want to comment, chime in. Thoughts on the Seahawks game, thoughts on the Ohio game, feel feel free and and we'll get to that comment. But Going back to what Bloom was saying is it's pretty much the race to 20. Can the Iowa State offense get to 20? And that's honestly a pretty, I don't know. It's <laughs> That's a question that I feel like shouldn't be asked. But with the offense dating back to pretty much every game since the Ohio game last year, it's, it's a fair question to wonder if Iowa State on the road can muster up enough offense. And my my concern ultimately comes down to how much they trust Rocco. It was clear that they trusted Deckers a ton with the keys to the offense last year. And they threw it downfield. They opened up the playbook against Ohio. And ultimately, they destroyed him. It wasn't a game. It wasn't a competition. My fear is that they... I know they still don't trust Rocco completely because they weren't really testing the Iowa defense downfield at all on Saturday. My worry is they still go super conservative. Don't go downfield, play scared, and you end up in a game. That's, that's where my concern comes. I think they would be, I'm not on the offensive staff. (laughs) I'm not a football mind. I think it would be wise 
early to be aggressive, maybe test the Ohio defense downfield, trust your playmakers, try and get it to Ben Bramer, pass the chains, not six-yard out route, try and go to Jaden Higgins. I think that's the recipe for success because if if you get up 10-0, your trust is completely in that Iowa State defense, in my opinion. Yeah, I think this offense can definitely... Uh, get to 20 in a game like this. I, I think that they should. I agree with a lot of your sentiment, Jake. I see a game like a 24-13 type game for Iowa State. I, I do think Ohio will move the ball a little bit. They're too talented not to. I think they get at least one score, maybe a field goal here and there. But I like that. I think Iowa State gets up early. I'm not sure they try to take those shots early, but I do think they will go back to a little bit of what we saw late. I understand that was more of a timely trying to come back type of thing against Iowa, but I think that would definitely be smart. I wouldn't be shocked if you see kind of some different running backs getting chances in this game. I still think you're going to see Carson Hansen. I mentioned it in these notes. I think that you know, it'd be smart to give him a shot here and there. A.J. Harris with his physicality. I think that's something that's really intriguing to me, just some of the the depth of some of these positions. Like you mentioned, tight end, I think running back. And then it feels like a game where, again, maybe the linebacking core or the D-line really step up for Iowa State. I think we've seen the safeties make some huge plays. Guys here and there, you hope that Gary Vaughn is back and healthy for Iowa State, I, I would guess. You know, he's at least trending that way from what I've kind of heard from a few people. And I think this is going to be a big time, not test, but kind of statement for Iowa State. It's not the easiest place to play. Ohio is a good team, like we mentioned, specifically on offense. I think the Cyclones figured some things out late, and I think they're going to show it on Saturday. So I'm going to I'm going to push back a little bit on the running backs. If your top two guys are only getting three, three and a half, four yards a pop against Iowa. Why would you maybe test out what you have with your fifth running back in Arlen Harris Jr.? Not, not We haven't seen him on the field, really. Nothing against him or, or even Carson Hansen. He had, the, he had the drop on Saturday. Is this the smart game to try and get cute, or should it just be you go out there, you play your best guys, you try to win? That's That's what I would go on. I don't... I don't think this is a spot where you mess around at all. I think back to the Paul Rhodes era, 2015, Iowa State playing at Matt Campbell's Toledo. Iowa State messed around in that game, ultimately lost in overtime. I don't think this is a game you can feel comfortable until you're up three scores, but that's that's just me. Yeah, I think I guess I have enough faith in the defense, so I don't think you need to be up uh, three scores to feel comfortable in this one. Also, I'm not convinced that there's a big gap between maybe the one or two running backs and the four or five. I know that Carson Hansen was a name I, I kind of heard with a lot of good buzz, you know, in this offseason. They've obviously, you mentioned the drop. I, I don't think necessarily that is best for kind of his talent and usage to just throw him out for a random pass here and there. He's a good mix of size and speed. I do think he could open things up. I think A.J. Harris, when when kind of you're struggling with like Cartavius Norton, maybe in some short yardage, he's got the physicality. I, I think there's a reason that they brought him in. He had a pretty good spring, a really good fall, so I do think he'll get some chances. And, and if Eli Sanders is healthy, I'm somebody that if you believe – that it is a running back group of one to four, one to five, that anybody could be starting. 
And I think there is some truth to that, Jake. I think you got to give them some chances. And that's why it's a difference between a little bit of kind of getting cute and figuring some things out in the non-conference because you have to be able to at some point because you're certainly not going to be able to try out a lot of that type of thing in conference play. And again, I think that Iowa State is a nearly much better team than Ohio. And I think they should be comfortable even just being up nine or 10 rather than maybe 17 to 21. That's fair. Yeah, I just... I like you making me think about it a little bit, yeah, but I, I think it's pretty true. Pretty I close. just think that Eli Sanders didn't have the greatest game against Northern Iowa, and I think a lot of that comes back to how they use him. I don't he's the he's the speedster of the group. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you're running him in between the tackles, especially on that first drive inside the red zone against Northern Iowa. They ultimately ended up scoring on the Rocco QB sneak, but you're handing it to Eli Sanders at the seven going up the gut. And I'm not against having Sanders in the game, but if you're running it up the gut, why aren't you putting Norton in there? Why aren't you putting Sama in there? Pitch it to Sanders. Let him, let him try and break for the pylon. And I think that's a lot. Uh, I'll give the offensive staff some grace because they're still just two games in to this new regime and they're still figuring out the kinks. So I think your mentality going into Ohio is you treat this like you're playing Iowa. Maybe not. Okay. That's probably not the best way to put Maybe not from a game planning technique. I would, I think it would be wise to be a little more aggressive, but as far as just personnel on the offensive side of the ball, I think the the starting 11 plus the two deeps, I think they still have quite a bit to work out before they get into Big 12 play. Yeah, I would agree. And maybe I'm just going a little bit to, I felt like even just the touches between Norton and Sama could have been a little closer in this last game. I just still believe, you know, Abu's talent is up there with anybody in the room. But, you know, we will see. We'll see how healthy uh, Eli Sanders really is kind of coming up. Obviously, we didn't see him last game. But, yeah, I'll continue to just look out for those guys here and there. Definitely not saying they need to be the starters quite yet, but I think this would be a good opportunity. Also, you made a great point earlier with some of the drops uh, in this last game. I think that's something that really needs to be cleaned up, and and I didn't think it was going to be kind of as much of an issue this year. Uh, you, you just kind of hope for Iowa State that's just maybe a, a one-and-done type thing because that is the type of thing, like you mentioned, Jake, that costs you in close games, and I think there are going to be a lot of those for the Cyclones this season. Well, you hope it doesn't end up becoming something that's in the receiver's head because I I still go back to Hutchinson last year. He was one of the three to five best receivers in the country statistically. Yeah. He was one of the best in the Big 12. But when you're trying to force it when so much weight was placed upon him to go and win the game, sometimes you just think too much when you're trying to catch the ball. And I almost wonder if... Because there's no question it was Noel. There were a few drops that weren't Noel, but Noel was the was the one with multiple drops on Saturday. You almost wonder if he's thinking in his head, oh, they're just dumping off to me again, two yards ahead of the line of scrimmage. I got to go make a play. He's thinking about where he's going to cut before he even catches the ball. Ball drop, drive stalls, punt to Iowa. And that's that was pretty much the story of 
that first half on Saturday. So you just hope that that was a one-time thing and, and you hope that the drops aren't an issue the rest of the season. But I think that was maybe the most concerning personnel personnel wise on Saturday. Now, Jake, question before we kind of move on to, I know a, a game and a team you were looking forward to talking about. Do you trust Rocco to throw 30, 35, over 40 times like we just saw? Now, again, that 40 and up, I think is kind of, you know, an area you don't have to necessarily think about, but do you like that many attempts from him? You talk about kind I, of trusting him a little bit more. It. Okay. I trust, I trust Beck watching, watching from the sidelines. But I, I think with any quarterback in college playing the style of offense that Iowa State does, that's too much. Iowa State's playing this ball control, sit on the football type style. You have to run the ball. Mm -hmm. Rocco is, he's a young quarterback. He showed some promises. I'll go back to the Iowa game. I was so impressed with his composure, not excusing the pick six. But I was impressed with how he responded to that. And, and of course, he missed a couple throws. So he's a young, raw quarterback going up against maybe the best defense in the country. But I, I was impressed with how he handled himself, especially on that last drive, on the, the last scoring drive. But even with that trust in, in his composure, I still don't think you can trust a guy to go on the road and throw it 45 times. The running backs have to move the ball and i think it comes down to that no matter what with the running backs and the o-line but yes, definitely sorry. i i agree with your point i was just curious because we you know we kind of talked about how much do you trust him or not yeah I, I trust him you know probably about the same if not a little more than deckers at times last year at least to take care of the ball i think he that's one he probably knew right away in that iowa game that's just it's one you can't make against like a very good competent type secondary he iowa's was, is obviously one of the best in the country he was also eyeing his target mm -hmm. from the snap and that that's exactly what <laughs> that was decker's biggest issue last year was it, it was one read it was all right let's key in on hutchinson the the silver lining i guess with rocco that I noticed was that he was eyeing, he was keying in a lot on Saturday, but at least it was to different guys. <laughs> but I think that's going to get better because that wasn't really an issue against Northern Iowa. No. That it was more of an issue against Iowa. And yet you can't really blame the kids. So my, my last thing with this game and my last thing with Becht, just let him move around. L let him be a quarterback. Let him be a bit of a playmaker, not not go out there, be Brett Favre, Brock Purdy, just <laughs> screw it, throw it up. Somebody's probably there. But just let him be a little more, a little more creative. Uh, enough screen passes, enough out routes. Have those in the back pocket in case. But don't just run, run, out route, third and eight, you're punting. Look, go downfield a little bit. Ben Bramer. Really good route runner, really good hands. He had that catch on the uh, on the on the sideline, I believe, in that second quarter. It was a really good catch. Jaden Higgins, really good touchdown catch. He, he had, needs to be he utilized good, more. He had some good catches. There is talent on the offense to spread it around and try and go downfield a little more. And I I just think the more you do that, the better. 
I completely agree. I mean, I was, you know, we kind of, we've been alluding to Bramer for a long time, basically since we started this show. I figured that the wideout specifically, multiple wideouts in the room would get some more looks. I think they found something late, and I completely agree with you, Jake. I think that's going to be smart as Rocco gets more comfortable and this offense continues to develop. But as we're here, firmly entrenched on this beautiful Wednesday in the Channel Seed Studios, Jake, is Texas back? To be determined. Do you want to give our f- score prediction first for the... Oh, I guess... I guess well, we've got it in our, in our betting. Yeah, yeah. We've got it in our betting, the Big 12. Sorry. Without further ado, I don't know if Texas is back because I'm going to I'm gonna kind of, I guess, puff my chest out a little bit. I predicted <laughs> Texas to win this game, and what I've been saying the whole time is I trust their talent. I trust yours. I trust that to go into Tuscaloosa. Let me... Okay, I... <laughs> I'm not going to act like I 100% knew they were going to win. I thought they had a really good shot of winning, and that's why in my pick last week I picked them to cover. I trusted that they would wake up for that game. I'm still not sure if they're going to wake up and go to Houston and win that game. That's, but but I would be, I would be a fool to say that that win wasn't the most impressive win in college football so far this season, and for the first time. Since 2009, Texas is finally living up to their talent and playing like a roster full of five stars, a roster with the highest rated recruit in the history of football and Quinn Ewers. So hats off to Texas. Really, really impressive win to go into Alabama. No matter what you say, if you might not think Alabama is the class of college football anymore, it's Georgia now. It doesn't matter if you go into Tuscaloosa and win. That's an impressive win 100 times out of 100 as long as Nick Saban's there. Yeah, you know, I was ready to give you credit. You, you, No issue with you pumping your chest here, Jake. You did call the first half of this. We'll see if the back half happens uh, later in November, kind of involving Iowa State, of course, <laughs> with Texas. But, you know, quite honestly, I didn't get to see a ton of this game, obviously finishing up work for the Cyhawk. You know, saw some highlights here and there, but... I mean, going back to even our first or second show we've done this, Jake, we're both pretty high on Texas overall because it gets to a point where if there's that much talent there, which at least by recruiting rankings and some of their transfers and things like that, specifically, you know, wideouts, you have to put it together or there's a deeper issue there. And so far, it's still so early in the season, but that's a big time when, you know, you have to give credit And quite honestly, I'm not sure exactly what it is about him because I don't necessarily usually kind of jump on like the favorites or anything like that. I think that people were a little bit unfairly hard on Quinn Ewers at times when he left Ohio State. I I think that there was just a lot more uh, than there really was kind of seen on the surface. And I think sometimes he's shown flashes, sometimes... He's just gotten completely outplayed by other quarterbacks, which is fine. It happens. But just to see kind of some of the throws he made, quite honestly, I think specifically in that second quarter against Bama, he's got a a place like that. And to see kind of the excitement and rallying around him and his play, it was just as a fan of college football. It was interesting to me. I hadn't seen 
that a lot, certainly not around him. I know that that team is loaded at just about every position, but generally so is Bama. So I, I think that while, you know, I'm teasing with the Texas is back thing, I think that's something that's always a little bit overplayed. That's a big time notable win. Like you mentioned, one of the most impressive so far this season. And now you wonder how that translates against lesser competition, you know, in the in the short term and then long term throughout the season, some of the more challenging games within conference play their last year in the Big 12. Ewers has a hose and it's no doubt. I've watched a lot of Texas football. He's matured. His footwork has gotten so much better just from, I don't even know what it looked like when he was at Ohio State or in high school, but just from the first day that he arrived in Austin to now, he's a more composed quarterback that you that you trust. He's, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. There's no doubt about that. And I would have to say that I would trust him going into maybe a, a smaller game more so now than I did coming into the season. But again, I still just need to see it with Texas because I remember Sam Ellinger were <laughs> back and they weren't. They were. I, I don't remember who they killed. They might have killed Colorado, actually, in the Alamo Bowl. And that's when he said that. And then it was four mediocre years following that before we're where we're at now. So <laughs> Texas, congrats on the win. We'll, uh, we'll be too be determined on uh, on how this ends for the Longhorns. But speaking of Colorado, if that was indeed it, I do remember the Alamo Bowl. One of the biggest topics really in college football, sports in general right now, Colorado Buffaloes and Coach Deion Sanders. Coach Prime, as you have written, uh, I'll keep rolling with Coach Deion Sanders here. He's been, I think no matter if you're a fan or not, it's impressive what they've done so far this season, both on the field and off the field. The excitement around that program is pretty crazy, quite honestly. Obviously, a lot of my job is with you know recruiting. I do some social media, things like that. And they are a huge, huge topic of conversation. So with a lot of that, you know, it's kind of seemed like the media has had a little bit of a bigger light on them. Whether, oh, yeah. whether they're treating it, you know, just like, like another team, they're hyping it up. There's some fan kind of movement involved. What are your thoughts on all that, Jake? So I'll just, I'll start a little bit before we get into this discussion about the media coverage. Uh, they're just an exciting team to watch. I love the way that Coach Prime runs the program. I We've gotten in this age so much so where coaches are just, let's go to the media. Running backs are looking good. We're just taking it game by game. It's just coach speak. And Dion has flipped that over. It's the exact opposite. And for that, I appreciate that. Do I, do I know if I would enjoy covering that? I don't know. <laughs> I have never had to cover that. I don't know if I ever will. But from the outside looking in, Colorado is must-see TV every week. And for what he's trying to accomplish, getting recruits there, getting media coverage, it's an overwhelming success. And oh, they're 2-0. They are 2-0, taking over the worst team in Power 5 college football last year. So it's an overwhelming success so far. 
can they keep it up? I still think six and six would be a success. Well, just briefly, I'll add, because I was thinking, you know, looking ahead at their schedule a little bit. Okay, now they're two and oh, the juice, like the betting juice, kind of the the favorite side is now on them to get to seven or more. Seven or more. Okay. Because I'm seeing at most places that it's like over under 6.5 and that juice is on the over right now. So not only bowling, but over six wins is what many think right now. That's what I would call my my Dallas Cowboys boost. I'm a Cowboys fan. (laughs) And the reason I never, I almost never, ever, ever on Sunday bet them because Vegas knows that there's a bunch of morons like me out there that are Cowboys fans that are going to be betting the Cowboys no matter what. <laughs> so you, maybe should the Cowboys over under be 10 and a half, Vegas thinks 11 and a half because he knows there's going to be suckers out there taking the over. This could be what's happening with Colorado. Just you get the... There's a lot of like national sports podcasts that I'll listen to. I'll, I'll use Bill Simmons as an example. He's very like publicly anti-college football. He just says he doesn't care. He doesn't watch it. But even he's been talking about Deion Sanders. So these sports book, these sports books, they're going after the casual NFL fan that lives in New York that doesn't watch college football, who hears about Deion Sanders on ESPN and is like, I'm taking the over. But <laughs> that, that's besides the point. What I really found fascinating about this whole Dion stuff is the local Colorado media. And I, I don't know her name. I don't have the tweet pulled up, if I'm being honest. But on that Saturday where they beat TCU, Ed Werner, ESPN, longtime, longtime respected NFL journalist, was covering Colorado, asked Dion a question, and Dion said, I remember you. You, you weren't a believer. I'm not going to answer your question. Next question which was controversial in itself, but there was a a TV personality in Colorado tweeted a picture in Boulder on the stadium captioned. I'm paraphrasing something like, don't worry, coach prime. I'm a believer. Let's go buffs. And that created a, a Twitter debate on where the line should be of fans covering their own teams. And I thought this would be interesting because I'm, an Iowa State fan, I've never hidden that fact. You're a Wisconsin alum going back to cover Wisconsin. And I think in Iowa, there there's certain personalities, there's certain journalists that are a fan of the of the team they cover. And I just wanted to get your thoughts. I'll, I'll ask you first on what your opinion on that is and where there should be a line. Yeah, I think it's an awesome topic of discussion, Jake, honestly. And it's cool how it kind of stemmed. I think I personally... Like, I know for a fact, you know, when I was when I was covering Iowa State fully or when I was covering the Badgers in college or when I did things like out at ESPN, I think the enthusiasm level and the passion was just always high. So I bet people probably thought I was a fan of whatever spot at times. I think there's a difference between, you know, kind of being a fan and just doing like your normal locked in excited media coverage whatever that might looks like and actually cheering for a team or sending tweets out like you just referred to or you know some that i have seen uh really kind of like in, in this uh business in my career so far i think there's a professional way to handle it i don't think that it should be like oh i i grew up a fan of the chicago bears you know that's still like the one team i'll always be a fan of i can never cover them 
definitely don't think that. But I also don't think it's like, okay, I'm at this Bears game. I'm covering it. Yes, let's go. Fields with the beautiful touchdown. Bears within 30. You know, something like that. Because obviously... I think that's a little bit over the top, and I know our producer can kind of relate to that one here with Aiden. Is it was a tough week one for us Bears fans, but sorry, about that's that. kind of that's kind of my thought, Jake. You know, I think there are ways to do it. I don't think it it should be like, oh my God, if you if you're a fan or you grew up as a fan of this team, you can never cover them or be at their events. But I also don't think it's the type of thing where you're actively cheering, tweeting tweeting things in support, you know, even kind of having your content stories, videos, like, you know, uh, highlight packages, things like that, be oriented in a spot where it's clear that you're a fan of that team, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I'll get into it. And this has been something that I've had to think about for a while. Growing up in Des Moines, wanting to work in Des Moines, I grew up an Iowa State fan. I, I grew up probably the biggest Iowa State fan in my high school, in my elementary school. Like, that's that's just how I've been my whole life. That's how I am about all my sports teams. But my love and passion growing up as an Iowa State fan is largely responsible for a lot of the reason I got into media in the first place. I grew up wanting to cover Iowa State. I grew up wanting to cover the big game. So I... I think it'd almost be disingenuine to to hide the fact that I was even an Iowa State fan to begin with. But I do think that there's a line where I can't go out there every day and be in PR. I'm in journalism. I'm covering it to say it like it is. Iowa State's defense or Iowa State's offense is 125th out of 133 teams in the country, second worst in power five. That's that's the fact. The basketball team their offense has been putrid the last two years. If, if the offense was even slightly better, they'd be a lot better. And that's kind of how I've always approached it is that, yes, do I wake up every day hoping Iowa State will win? Of course, because I'm still an Iowa State fan at heart, and I always, I always will be. But at the same time, when it's time to be critical, I like to think that I don't have a problem being critical, but at the same time, it can be... It can be tricky. And I think you can flip it the other way too, where there are people that cover schools that are anti whatever school they're covering. I think there's going to be a lot of people in Colorado that are anti Deion Sanders because they don't like the way that he treats the media. And can you blame them? If a guy comes in and says, no, I don't like the way you're doing your job. I'm not going to give you the same answers I'm going to give somebody else. I can't blame someone for cheering against them. So I do think that the bias isn't just for a team you're covering. It can also be against them. And this topic, just like any other topic, it's black and white there, or it's not black and white. There's gray area and there's ways where you can, you can be a fan of, of a team that you cover. But if something happens, if there's a, if God forbid, there's a scandal, you better be ready to to be covering. I mean, that's happened this summer with the gambling stuff. And and luckily, I think most people in local Iowa media are on the same page with the gambling scandal. But I do think that there was a lot of objective reporting from both sides on, on how that should be discussed and handled. Yeah, no, I, I think we're for the most part 
in agreement, but that I really enjoyed kind of the the background of that topic as well as getting into it a little bit, you know, as it usually seems to happen, Jake, as we kind of get things rolling with this show, it's flown by. So I got to address as we're getting a little closer to our picks, not a bad, and this was my week one, not a bad week one for Nick Oson with these picks two and one should have been three and oh, yeah, that, uh, so, <laughs> so your, your one loss was Texas tech. I believe plus six and a half against mm, Oregon. I think so. So I didn't take that as one of my three picks last week, but I actually did place that wager on Circus Sports Iowa. Real story. I get back from Ames. I'm listening to Texas Alabama on the way back. I get back to the studio. I'm unpacking my camera gear and all that stuff. I turn on Oregon, Texas Tech. Oregon up by one. 45 seconds left. Perfect. Well, Texas Tech's going to lose whatever. The cover's still going to hit the plus six and a half. Pick six. The first play that I watch, just a all-time bad beat, and that's why Nick's sitting at two and one. I moved to five, six, and one. I, I don't know why, but week one, I just I picked every single Big 12 game that had a line. We're going to stick to three each for mm-hmm. now, but I'm giving myself a push. Last week when I did the show, I took Utah, minus seven and a half against Baylor. It ended up being seven, but when I actually did bet the game, I got it at seven. So I'm giving, I'm giving myself a push, (laughs) but uh, for this week, I'm going with Iowa state minus three. It, the line is too small. I trust that the Iowa state defense is not going to give up more than 10, 13, 14 points. And I think the offense will do just enough and Iowa State can play just enough field position and they're going to win this game. I'm going 27 to 10. Wow. 27, 10. That's, that's comfortable. Okay. So that's a comfortable. And I've been, I've been pretty down the first two weeks. I picked, I think Iowa State to win like 16 to 10 against you and I or something like that. And I picked Iowa to win 16 to 13 last week. So I'm a little more bullish on Iowa state this week. I just, I think up front they're going to be better substantially enough to win the game. And I'll, I'll let you give your pick on the game too. Yeah. Comfortable. So you're, you're saying pretty, yeah, pretty comfortably this weekend. I believe. Yeah. I think your first pick the first week of the season was like, 14 9 because remember we both called the nine oh, points right. for yeah. iowa state or for you and i against iowa state which was awesome i try not to overlap uh you know too much with jake obviously i'm in the middle of a move so he, he generally puts his picks first but this was separate ended up being one of the same major i'm with jake on iowa state I, again i give so much credit to ohio it's not like i think that iowa state's gonna win by 28 but Again, I'll say one more time. I think the offense found some things. I think you're going to see a little more creativity slash confidence, whatever that may look like within different players within the offense, even players that we've seen that had some good moments. And I just think if if healthy, which I've certainly heard for at least most of this team and this defense, I think that front is going to cause some problems. I wouldn't be shocked to see a spy or like a blitz here and there, like you mentioned against Cade. I think Rourke is really good, but I think that Iowa State's personnel matches up very well. 
And frankly, I'll even play into the, you know, college sports, college football game, emotions a little bit. Like we know last game, the Seahawk game has a lot of emotions, win or lose. Iowa State came out on the losing end. They want to and need to get things back on track a little bit to have a chance to get to a bowl, which I think they will this season. I like Iowa State comfortably. I'll say a score like, you know, I still don't think the offense is going to go crazy. It's it's a decent defense for Ohio. I like a 24-10 type game. Okay. Maybe We're in the- sneaking into the mid-20s, but yeah, I still don't think, you know, they, they go necessarily crazy. From what the numbers I was looking at actually just before we got into the studio, Ohio's defense is better. It's better than it was last year for sure. They returned 14 or 15 starters on the entire team obviously including Rourke, but I'm going to trust these guys and Matt Campbell. We're in the same boat. I'll give my last two picks. I'll kind of fly through them. But first, I'd like to thank Circus Sports Iowa. If you're going to, whether you're going to tail us or trail us, um, or no, that's not the right term. Whether you're going to fade us or trail us, that's right. Do it on Circus Sports Iowa. They've got the highest limits, the lowest holds, the best odds. You can download it today. Circus Sports Iowa, as always, bet responsibly uh, my last two I'm going K-State minus five at Missouri I think Kansas State has solidified themselves as the second most impressive team in the Big 12 so far this season they've got their quarterback Will Howard back Mizzou is just another team in the SEC that might be a compliment to them it is <laughs> um, I just I know what I'm getting out of Kleiman especially on a week-to-week basis in the non-conference. I think they go in and they handle Mizzou by at least a touchdown. That's at minus five. And then we talked 10 minutes about praising Texas. I'm going to fade Texas 28 and a half at home. That's a big number against a Wyoming team that just beat Texas Tech at home. I think it's a sleepier, I don't know, 1920 point win for Texas, but comfortable. I just think 28 and a half, four touchdowns is a lot. I, I I like taking the Cowboys in that spot, coming off of a big win for Texas. I was going to say even a full 28, which could very well happen. That'd be a great performance from Texas, and that still doesn't cover. Yeah. So it's not one of my picks, but I really like that one, Jake. I think as usual, since week one, I guess, or week zero, I generally agree, love the Iowa State pick, love the Wyoming pick. The K-State line felt a little weird to me, but if I had to choose a side, that that is the better team for sure. For me, I'm not going to act like I put a ton of thought into my second one, Oklahoma State minus seven hosting South Alabama. Again, it was just a weird one to me, but as you've kind of seen in the general scope of the media this weekend, it was like last week had a ton of kind of incredible looking marquee games. This one, maybe not so much. You know, I'm an optimist. It's just, it's kind of that weird week in between week one or week two and conference play. It's not a ton there, but I will say my third pick, I'm not going to say I was fully wrong on this team yet. We'll see what they do within the big 12, but KU has looked good. They've rolled through the Atlanta. They have looked good. They've looked fun. Jalen Daniels. I think we both like his game on this show. Lance Leipold, a Wisconsin guy, really no matter where he's been guys, he's been one of the best uh, coaches, I think I would say at this point with what he's done with that program, potentially one of the best in the country, somebody I, I got to know just a little bit, you know, kind of a little overlap with some 
Wisconsin whitewater coverage slash as he was getting to Kansas and I was kind of getting into the Big 12 coverage. I think he really does things, you know, in an impressive fashion. Nevada is terrible. Yeah, and I think that Kansas just keeps this thing rolling. I mean, their their creativity on offense is pretty spectacular. It's not a play that I would actually make, but for our picks here, it was one of the top two or three I felt the most confident in, Jake. And let's keep that beautiful 67% uh, percentage for myself running here. Quick shout out to Pitt at West Virginia. Generally a fun football game. I'm not touching that game, but <laughs> I'm going to watch it. It's going to be a fun game. I think Pitt's favored by one. I saw even or, where I was okay. looking. Yeah. So, yeah, I was doing this last night. It could have flipped. Neil Brown's job is on the line, but this is a great rivalry game. It opened up the season last year, I believe in week zero with college game day. And it was, it was a tremendous game to watch. I'll, I'll be tuned into that, but I believe that's all for today. Aiden, did we miss anything you want to chime in about shaking his head? No, man, we must've either hit the mark right on and left him speechless or we were way off where he doesn't think that we have enough time to correct it. Yeah, I'm going to lean the first one, but there's always the chance. Uh, thank you, Aiden, for rocking with us here. Thank you all. You know, I'm sad that this is my last show, at least for a while here in these specific Channel Seed Studios uh, here in Iowa. Never know. Maybe when I'm coming down to cover, you know, a Badgers-Hawkeyes basketball game or something, maybe we change the schedule and we get a live one here. But the show, at least for the foreseeable future, firmly entrenched, with Nick Oson and Jake Brand will continue. I think we're just hitting our stride as college football really hits its stride. And it'll be really intriguing to watch not only with our picks, Jake, but to see because we picked a lot of similar things to look out for with Iowa State this weekend. I appreciate it, my friend. Yeah, it'll be a game. I don't know if it's going to be a fun game. I don't know if it's going to be a good game, but it'll be a game. <laughs> it's one of those where you hit the road to a max school at 11 a.m. Saturday, you just get out of there with a win. That's that's what I think the Iowa State fan base is hoping for, and I think that they'll get their wish. But we'll be back next Wednesday. We'll be remote. We'll be live still at 2.30, and we'll see you then. Thank you, as always, to Heartland Flags and Gifts, Channel Seed, and Circa Sports Iowa. But for now, in the, in the Channel Seed studios, uh, for Jake Brandon Nick Oson, this has been firmly entrenched. Iowa everywhere.